far too many. Again, we got comfortable with a long, long run of good times. And we sat on the beach and got fat and happy, you know, mm -hmm. and we're paying the price. A lot of companies are, are paying the price for it. Now's an opportunity to get thin and fit. You know, if you were already there, awesome, you're winning. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day -day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Right, so what's going on? Now I'm trying to shove food in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the first time on video. Yes, and it is. It's, it is um, a tremendous amount of pressure. I don't even know where I'm supposed to be looking in the camera. It's a tremendous amount of pressure to like, I like somewhat comb my hair, put on a decent shirt. I know it goes against everything that the work remote experts say that you got to like get dressed up and like, you know, do your day like you normally would. I, I if it's like mid afternoon and I'm out of like my jogger pants and t-shirt, it's something's happening. You know, like I just, I'm, I'm, I'm all about working in the comfy clothes. Yeah. I want to say it was like last Friday. Like, I mean, my normal thing, and this is the way I've always been is like, I'll get dressed. I'll, I mean, I'm wearing shorts at the moment, but I'll at least put like a pair of shorts and a polo shirt on. But last Friday, I was just like, nope, I'm staying in the, the gym shorts and a t-shirt. Just as comfortable, you know. And I was just like, I'm going to be comfortable today. Well, more comfortable yeah. than normal. I'm interested in, uh, in how people, if people are going to want to watch our behind the scenes takes here. I think I'm interested in the reaction. Um, I don't know. I'm. It, this is fun, right? This is uh, when this goes out. It will be our second second one episode yep. with with video. So we'll we'll see what the feedback is and if people actually watch. But uh, <laughs> should be fun. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's almost like going back to when we started it, like the the um not stress but the nervousness of recording the podcast like those first few episodes i was super nervous and then we got into a role and it's like yeah it became second nature i'm kind of a little nervous to be on, mm -hmm. to be on video and like my background okay is my hair okay am i gonna be able to shove this rb sandwich in my face while jim's talking <laughs> yeah i mean i think back to those first several episodes when we when we first started i was trying to be overly prepared um have stuff prepped and it came out as, as as stiff and whatnot and it took us several episodes to really get in the flow and just be relaxed and, and just talk yeah. so i believe this is going to be the same way it will um, I, I keep fussing with my hair and I'm going for like a Dave Grohl thing here, but I can't. So for those watching these first few episodes with the video simulcast, it, it'll it get better. 
it, it will. Gets, uh, it, it'll get better. But it also, I think it will it. also continue to be a bit raw, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I was thinking about it uh, earlier today, and I was talking with a, a client of ours yesterday. I'm actually loving everyone being at home right now, and it's not just people we're working with. Um, it's everyone. Everyone is at home. And I have been um, – I'm not sure if you're a Wilco fan, but I, I love Wilco. Um, and Tweety um, is doing this concert series from home, like a lot of nights a week on, on Facebook, is it on Facebook? Mm-hmm. where him and his family will just play music together. And it is so wholesome and awesome and authentic and cool. And it just has this way of like, you know, these people we thought were not human, you know, athletes and musicians and executives of big companies. You know, I was on a, I was on a call with a senior VP of, of marketing for a multi-billion dollar firm. And he was sitting in his house on his couch having this calm. Like, I love this so much. It just makes people feel more human, you know? Yeah. We're relatable. It was funny this morning, Bryant and I got on the phone with uh, Todd from the monitor. And all of a sudden you hear the, two kids scream in the background. He's like, I'll be right back. Bryant, that is. So Todd and I had a, a, a good laugh at because he comes back and uh, he's like, yep, they, I, yeah, he was saying like, yeah, they, they were about to, to recreate WrestleMania too. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it is. And yeah. then last week we had Eric Matisoff from Adobe on. And it's where we kicked off the video feed. And he's like, you picked a great time. To, to launch the video feed when no one can get haircuts right now. <laughs> you know, like I'm going I, I, on three months at this point, no haircut. Um, and about a month in, I was about to get the clippers and just cut it, buzz it all off. And then I'm like, nah, let's see how long I can get it. And at this point, even though things are starting to open up, I'm tempted to see if I can go another three months and see what it'll look you like. You should do it. You should do it. Just let it go at this point. I have access to it, although it, it doesn't, it does, the, the offer comes along very rarely. My, my daughter um, in, man, it was the fall, spring, she just graduated from cosmetology and barber, barber school. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, she hasn't been able to get her license because the state shut down licensing. Um, so she hasn't been able to complete her test, but like she has all the gear and I could get a haircut whenever I wanted if she would be willing to do it. I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. I'm going with it. Yeah, I mean, like I've got like it's curling up all over the place here, and I mean it's 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 thin right here, so it's even going to look even worse. Like my only fear letting it go like this is, I mean, like everybody's hair looks like this right now, but like under normal circumstances, like I don't want to be that guy that's like approaching middle age and doesn't realize just how bad it looks because they're trying to relive like their teens and early twenties. I, I don't want to come across as that feel- guy. I feel seen now. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. yeah but um, yeah, I've decided I'm just going to let it go and, and see how oh, long I, I, I can go. I'm with you. I'm with but you. I mean, th- it, it's I got to take a picture and send it to you of like what the hair looks like in the morning because it is like standing straight mm-hmm. up at this point. You should just go with that look. I think it would be amazing. I, I would look like Kramer. I think that would be awesome. Did I, 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 I've told you the story of uh, when I first talked with Dixon's car phone in London. Yes. Great story. Yeah. And my hair was insane. Like, cause it was long, like this length and I had just gotten up and hadn't even, and it was just 
everywhere. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess we're going on video now. Yeah, so we're doing that. So maybe one of these weeks I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll you know have you it look like that. You should. I would. I would look forward to seeing that. Yeah. But uh, speaking of kind of like where people their attention is right now, and you know people's reactions to the current COVID pandemic and resulting quarantines and, and lockdowns, I, I wanted to dive deep into to something you've done recently. Um, so recently you contributed to a Forbes article by, by Brent Dykes yeah. that discusses the need for businesses to focus on data. And I'll link up the article in the show notes. So the, the, the title of the article is why your business must double down on, on data. So, I mean, you had some, some great quotes in there and I want to dive into, to a couple different areas. Um, but first I thought we can kick off with is. You know what are what are you seeing from from businesses right now? Like what what are some of the actions that some of them are taking? Um, you know, for, for those that are listening or, or watching that may may not have as much visibility into it, can you tell us what, what you're seeing? Fundamentally, I'm seeing two things, um, and unfortunately, the vast majority of things I'm seeing are panic decisions. I, it's it's really clear. You know, it's it's interesting. We um, speaking of of being human and seeing these people as just normal people, we we put these personas on on people when they they have certain lofty titles, and we put these personas on businesses that make billions of dollars a year. We think they have all the answers. We think they're brilliant. We think they're smarter than everyone else. The fact is, is they're they're human. They're just like us. They, they have their faults. They, they don't know everything. They make stupid decisions. Um, and, and we're shocked when we see it, but we shouldn't be. Um, and, and I, and I think that this is good that we're seeing people as people and businesses as businesses, and we're kind of pulling away that facade. And as we're pulling away that facade, we're seeing a lot of businesses that, you know, these are businesses that are name brand businesses that everyone would recognize. Um, not having the answers. And and you can see it was really evident that lots of businesses didn't plan for rainy days. And, you know, we had a, uh, we had a company meeting this morning uh, where we talked about this. And uh, it, it's something that if we, I went and pulled up the presentations I've given at our company meetings over the last three or four years, it's been a pretty consistent theme that we've talked about that there's uh, a rainy day coming. And, we had no idea it was going to be this uh, global catastrophe of a pandemic. Um, but we knew, you know, the, the good times weren't going to last forever and there was going to be some challenges. And I kept pushing the team saying, we need to do these things right now. And I know it's hard. We may get some pushback and say, why are we doing this? It's not necessary. And you're right. Like a lot of the decisions we made about what we were going to do, was not because we had to do it right then, but it's because we wanted to put ourselves in a position to make smart, unrushed, unforced decisions in a time of an emergency. And it's really clear to me right now, a lot of companies didn't do that. And we're seeing a lot of companies make panic, rushed decisions. I think to be fair, um, 
we're at a much smaller scale. It makes it a different challenge. It makes it a, maybe a little bit easier. Um, but we're seeing companies panic to hit their quarterly goals so that their stock price continues to maintain some sense of normalcy. And we're seeing companies and, and you've uh, probably everyone that is listening to this has seen it firsthand. Someone they know, maybe even them has been affected by their, their job getting cut. And um, I think I think part of it is from a blow perspective, companies just spent freely. And that's kind of the second thing I'm seeing. And I'll, and I'll touch on that shortly. But I think the biggest part of it is really, really smart, talented people. People that should be the very last to be cut are getting cut because companies are, are panicking and they're making panic decisions. Um, the second thing that I'm seeing is that companies are now reevaluating their spend and their budgets. And I think this is a really good thing. And I think the companies that are doing this from a let's not make a rushed panic decision, let's make a smart, informed decision um, are, are doing this from the right perspective. And that is we overspent, we overbought. You know, we, we thought that the money was never going to dry up. And so let's let's buy that new shiny object in the sand. Let's just keep buying and buying and buying. No one questioned why. No one questioned the cost. No one questioned the return. And now everything's being questioned. And I think it's a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. I think for all of us involved, it's a good thing to know that the things we're doing actually we're doing for a reason. And um I think this questioning of why we were doing things is is very healthy. So you mentioned short term uh, a couple times there. Um, and I'm going to try to draw this question out uh, to give you a chance um, to, uh, to to have some of your lunch. I've been going nonstop since this morning, so I'm trying to uh, <laughs> multitask with the no worries. It, make, it makes for good, uh, good content. Yeah, uh, it, it just shows how like genuine and unpolished this is, which is our goal. Um, but, but you mentioned short term a, a couple times there. They're making short term decisions now, but it also feels like those short term decisions are the result of previous short term thinking. You know, do I, am I understanding you correctly there? Yeah, I mean, everything has been and, and you know, I don't want to overly attack public companies, but everything has been decisions based on quarter to quarter results. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's what can we do this quarter to make our numbers look good this quarter so that when the earnings come out, our stock price will go up far too long. That's how many, many companies have been, been operating. And it's, it's a different perspective when, when you take a longer term view, but you've seen it. Right. You've probably seen it personally when you're buying things for yourself. I know you've seen it from a business. How many times do you get like absolutely hit up and your inbox destroyed by sales guys the last week of a quarter trying to cram a new deal in? They're try, trying to, to bump their numbers up just before. Yeah, because it's 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 arbitrary for this quarter. Right. And and I think that mentality has put us in largely in the position that we're in is that that decision making of what do we need to do this quarter is coming back to bite us right now. And and it's putting a lot of companies in a position to panic. And everyone's I, I'm sure if you're on social media, everyone's had, you know, an aunt or a friend on Facebook say, like, I don't understand. Like we've been told and it's been shoved down our throats that we need to save six months of, of income to survive. 
Why are these mm -hmm. businesses going out of business in a, a few weeks of bad sales, right? Well, it's. Be, I, I mean, part of it is there's some logical um, breakdowns in that where where it's not really a fair representation to to put a company in a similar position as as a as a person. But part of it is is fair, and part of it is that yeah, a lot of companies have over leveraged. And our positioning on just surviving and making the company, the numbers, sorry, look good this quarter. And if the numbers look good this quarter, cool, let's do it again next quarter. Um, the antithesis to that, um, you already know, is, and I should throw on my hat for this episode, is Patagonia, right? And it's one of the main reasons why Yvonne uh, said he did never wanted to take the company public is he wasn't interested in running quarter to quarter. He wanted to make decisions for the long term. And those two things are oftentimes in direct conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. So as you're talking, I'm thinking that there's one of two outcomes from that, that, that short term thinking. Either some people are going to learn their lesson. And while there's still that worry about the, the short term numbers for reporting purposes, there, there's going to be the push to shore things up for if and when this happens again. But then there's also part of me that's thinking, this is just gonna make it worse, mm -hmm. right? Get in, win, get what you can while, while you can, and then get out. Um, yeah, it, it, it might, it, it definitely might. Um, although I am seeing pushback from that um, mm -hmm. and pushback from places I wouldn't expect to, to see it. You know, what you're describing is the Silicon Valley business model. It's yeah. the startup culture, mm -hmm. right? It's it's grow for growth's sake and and forget about cash flow forget about you know being a, a financially healthy company those things don't matter what what matters is to grow as fast as possible build up enough perceived value so that you can sell recoup those massive rewards and go and do it again the serial entrepreneur right um why does my damn Siri keep popping up? Um, cereal, maybe cereal. Yep. <laughs> Apparently I can't pronounce things right. Cause when I say cereal, yep. My computer thinks I'm saying Siri. Um, damn it. Now it's going to keep popping up. Uh, you know, that, that, that sort of thinking, I've, I've actually started to see some pushback from it and, and some pushback saying maybe we had it wrong. Maybe, maybe growing for growth sake wasn't the right model. Because you know they're they're suffering now. Um, mm -hmm. What do you do if you don't have revenue? What do you do if you hadn't been smart and you put money away for a rainy day? Like, I guess you do what you've always done, and that's go ask for more money from investors. But eventually, that's going to dry up too. So I I don't know. I don't know, Jim. I I, I mean I think. It definitely could create a cohort of people saying, you know what, the next pandemic, the next downturn can happen at any moment. I'm going to get mine now and get mm -hmm. out. Um, but I also think it's going to create, I'm hopeful it will create a new cult of um, Yvonne's. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get more Yvonne's coming out of this. They'll be like, you know what, what we were doing wasn't smart and we, we need to think more sustainable. And I, I wish I had the quote, but there's a quote that he has about not setting arbitrary targets for revenue goals. He's like, we'll let the market tell us where we need to grow. Some years that may be 50%. Some years that may be 0%.
some years like this year may be negative, right? And that's okay because we've we've built for the long term and we'll let we'll allow the market forces to dictate how how quickly we grow. I'm I'm hoping some companies will come out of this with a new mentality of that. Unfortunately, though, I think most of the brands that we know of uh, are 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 governed by Wall Street. And that will continue to be a quarter by quarter kind of view of things. And it, it hampers ability to, to think more strategically and long-term. And, you know, and I've had, I've had conversations with really, really smart people that get this, that have very high positions in publicly traded companies. And we've had conversations and they've told me things like, I have things on my roadmap that I know that if we did, three to five years from now, it would be paying off massively. We would all be rolling in the riches if we did this. There's, I'm never gonna get this approved because it's too far out. Like I'm never gonna get approval to invest in something that's gonna pay off five years from now. It's never gonna happen. Is, is that just now or is that- No, that's any, anytime. anytime. Anytime, anytime. Yeah, that's just how it's been, right? Mm -hmm. And And, you know, I think most of them do survive but not because of it, in spite of it. You know, most mm -hmm. of them survive just because they've been able to develop enough momentum um, that that they survive. You know, just look at some crappy companies that are, have been around for 70 to 80 years. It's not because they've continued to innovate and they're amazing companies. They're just surviving because of their weight and their momentum. But eventually the JCPenney's, the Sears, the- um, Those are the two exact ones I thought of. Yeah, Radio Shacks. Eventually, they'll go out of business, right? Um, but they, they stick around. I, you know, I hope that we'll get more visibility on these companies that are big, long-term survivors that are surviving because of the decisions they've made. You know, because they're continuing to innovate, because they're thinking long-term. You know, those need to be the companies that we hold up. You know, we need to stop celebrating, uh, over-celebrating the companies that are really good at generating a billion-dollar valuation in three months. You know, that shit's not sustainable. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Going back to one of the things you were saying there is, is I, I hope it does breed more of those types of people and companies that that, that want to think to the long term, think about building sustainable companies and less of those that are saying, okay, um, got to get in for the short term, get what I can and, and, and get out. Because that is my fear right now is it, it's going to just speed up this yeah. this push to for, for, for short-term earnings um versus just the long-term success of a company and, and it might but it also tells you a lot about the the company itself mm -hmm. uh and i and i put out a tweet earlier today um that, that talked about this uh, a little bit um that it you know you it tells it says a lot about the company and the leadership who are they in it for are they in it for their employees? Are they in it for their customers? Or are they in it for the investors and a very few elite people at the top? These decisions will make it very clear who they're in it for, right? Mm -hmm. And those companies, um, those companies that are making those decisions, it should be very evident that they're in it to pay out and line the pockets of a very few elite individuals and, and that's it. They don't mm -hmm. care about you as an employee. They surely don't care about you as a customer. They don't care about the ecosystem they're in. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about any of those things. They're in it for themselves and themselves only. So 
you know, it, it's one of the things that I hope as a, from a consumer perspective that we see as a change coming out of COVID. Um, and, and, and we will come out of, and we will come out of this and, and it will be a different landscape and that's okay. You know, things change, life evolves. One of the things that I hope really happens is consumers become more informed and become a, a bit more demanding from, from companies. Um, big businesses, small businesses, uh, companies have had the upper hand and they've dictated how the marketplace is going to work. And it's been for the benefit of, again, I think a very few elite people. Uh, I, I'm hoping that we see a resurgence of consumers pushing back against that corporatism. And we see consumers really starting to prop up companies that are doing good, you know, that really care about their employees that aren't just in it for a few elite executives that truly care about taking care of, excuse me, all their employees that care, care about taking care of their environment. They work in, they care about doing right by their, their customers. I, I hope that's a long-term change that we see coming out of the COVID crisis. I, I don't think it will be across the board, but even if it's a few small pockets, you know, a few, a few small pockets can create quite a, a movement. Um, if you, if they get enough momentum. So that's my, my hippie hope. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, th there's definitely a few of those things that, you know, I'm thinking that are that, that as well. If anything, I think just the, the business sustainability, because I mean, how fast did this thing hit? And then you were seeing like entire departments being nuked, yeah, uh, and people weeks. being laid off left and right. I mean, weeks. within weeks, you are seeing entire teams being let go. Right. So you have to ask yourself the question, why is that? Is it truly that there wasn't money there? I think nine times out of 10, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. We've seen that the money's there. Not only that, especially for big businesses, they can do this and they get money, right? All it takes is a wink of an eye and billions of dollars of funding flow into big businesses. They can get mm -hmm. the money. That's not the problem. Um, so you have to think about what what really is happening here, um, and you have to think: did did we overinvest? Did we over leverage? Did we buy things we didn't need? Or, and this is kind of a dark place to go: is it? Uh oh, we see the bank account shrinking up. That's going to affect my bonuses and paying out at the top. So do we now start slashing teams and departments so that we can pay out money to? senior VPs and CEOs and investors and hedge I think so. managers. Yeah. Be, because if you're, if you're thinking, you know, like someone who's in middle management, someone who's, who's at like director or below level in most companies, they're seen as interchangeable. I, I've, I, I've seen that. It doesn't matter what you know, how well you do, you're seen as interchangeable. So yeah, we let these folks go. We weather the storm for the next six months. We don't have those salaries to pay out, and then we'll just hire a new team when uh, when yeah, revenue right. starts to pick back up again. That's right, and it's unfortunate because we've seen this firsthand with some of our clients, um, and it's it's really unfortunate that they're making some of those decisions. But it's very clear that they are. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that they're taking that approach. That oh, person X is just a cog in this machine that's making money for our elite executives and investors, and we'll just replace them when the time comes. What they don't see is they don't see the humans that are in those roles and they don't see what I see is I see amazing, amazing people that they have no clue what they're doing. They have no clue that they're letting people go 
that could help transform their their companies to help save their companies but they don't see it i see it mm-hmm. they don't see it um you know i was talking with Hila about about it this morning i'm like i wish i just had some dumb luck one day where all of a sudden i had a few hundred million dollars in my bank account because i have a list of people that i would just want to go hire I have no idea what we would build or what we would do, but I just know that we would create something amazing. And these people are, are losing their job. They're getting let go, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, man, it's just, it's just sad that it's, it's becoming more and more clear that they're not seen as people. They're not even seen as individual contributors. They're just seen as a line item. You know, the, their management team, they are, um, they know and they're fighting for for what is right but the people that truly are pulling the purse strings have no idea and and honestly they don't care right it's just a number to them and that that to me is what has hurt the most through through this crisis is that people have been dehumanized and it's been happening like this is this isn't new right as i was about to say this is nothing this isn't new it's just it's just exposing it it's shining a spotlight on it and we're coming to the realization of of what it is because we've never seen anything on this this scale. Not in my uh, lifetime, for sure. I, I don't think in, in many most people's lifetimes right now, um, where we've seen this kind of massive, this mass scale of, of, of layoffs, uh, of people being let go. Like I've tried to explain to, 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 to some people I know who they work in an industry that hasn't been hit as hard. I'm like, we've, we work with people, there's people I know where not just one or two people in a department of 10 or 15 are let go, 15 people are let go. The entire department is, oh, is yeah. let go and they're told a month ahead of time and they're told just put every, get, get everything set on autopilot and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. We've seen entire organizations gone. Right. And it's, uh, and it's it's mind-boggling to me, and and especially the space we work in, where a lot of what we do is digital. You know, I and I and I and I think I may have even talked about this in the Forbes article. It is so illogical to me to cut the only place where you can interact and sell things to your clients right now, mm-hmm. your customers right now, right? And but we're seeing it. It's like you physically cannot connect and sell to your customers. Digital is all you have, and it's the first place you're cutting. Something is amiss. Something just does not add up here. It, it it's crazy to me. It, it truly is. Mm-hmm. So you know, say you're someone who's in one of those th- those positions, um, and hasn't been impacted yet. So hasn't been laid off. You know, the the entire department hasn't been let go. I mean, is there a way to message? know get a message higher up in the organization about how critical it is for that department right now this is the time to to leverage that that the power that that department has yeah so so i would say a couple things one we should be doing that all the time anyway um you know we need to be marketing what it is that that we do anyway and making sure that the value of what we're doing is there and i think unfortunately and i've fallen and fallen into this trap many times myself throughout my career, you get to a place where you're just comfortable doing the work and you just Mm -hmm. take it for granted that it's going to be there. Uh, I think this is a good lesson that um, we can't do that. We have to constantly be on guard and continually make sure that we're providing direct measurable value. And if it's not being seen, it's on us 
you know, someone from above isn't going to come down and say, oh, Jason, let's highlight the great work you're doing. It's just not going to happen. It needs to be up to us as individuals to do that. And if that's self-preservation, self-promotion, like there's a way to do it a right way and there's a way to do it a wrong way. And the right way to do it is to do it in a very uh, organic, natural way that's that's real, right? That's authentic. If I'm going out and doing the brown nosing thing and undermining my fellow employees, that's the wrong way. But to collectively showcase what it is we're doing and why it's important, we need to be doing that consistently. And and of course, right now more more than ever because there's scrutiny on everybody, right? I think we've seen the first really hard wave hit of, of layoffs, um, but it's not over. Um, I think the big hits have happened. We may have it like comparing it to an earthquake. We've had the main shock and we're we're now going to have aftershocks the rest of this year. So there will be more that follow. Um, but I don't think on on the, the big of a scale as we've seen. So it's important that we prepare ourselves to um, kind of brace for those aftershocks and make sure that we are seen as providing value. Um, I, uh, I attended a keynote. I rarely have gone to Adobe Summit. I've gone to Adobe Summit a lot. I've rarely gone to any sessions. But I did go see um, uh, one of the keynotes. And I, I can't even remember what year this is. I don't even know if I have the book. Oh, I do. Um, so I went to um, a keynote from Seth Godin. And I, and I was looking over here on my bookshelf because he handed out books at the end of the session. And his whole session really like changed how I thought about things. Uh, it was such a compelling talk, but he talked about being a linchpin and the importance of being um, critical um, to to what it is that you're doing. And again, I think too many organizations, too many employees have become comfortable. It's like, okay, I got a job, I show up, I check off a box, I get paid, you know, repeat. We have to become indispensable. All of us have to become indispensable. That's just a good life lesson. Right now, it's going to preserve jobs. Um, we have to be thinking about how we can be indispensable. And we've talked about that as a company, 336. You know, we've lost clients. We, we've taken some big hits through this. Part of it, maybe we couldn't have dodged, but I think part of it, I, I take personally responsible that it was my mistake, right? Like, too comfortable. I didn't position us as indispensable. We are indispensable. They're going to suffer greatly for, for us being... Um, gone from from their midst but i failed to articulate that to the people pulling the purse strings that we were indispensable so that's what i would recommend to people left behind especially in hard hit areas travel tourism martech in general if you still find yourself in a job be thinking about how you can position yourself as indispensable you are you're critical right now probably now more than ever because you're probably one of a few survivors left you know you don't have the team to support you it's up to you to make sure you help pull your organization through this make sure that you're you're seen as as being indispensable to the organization mm -hmm. i think i had another good thought but it totally spaced my mind as i was trying to think of the name of the book mm -hmm. yeah i'm trying to think of you know, like, okay, I mean, I just have a general question. So overall, where, where do you think we go from here? Well, um, the analogy that I've used internally is that we knew this day was coming. We knew a forest fire was coming. And what's going to end up happening is 
the forest fire does a tremendous amount of damage and it destroys a lot of things. But even the most intense fires, the most intense disasters, there are survivors and there's fertile soil that starts to rebuild and new things start to grow. I think, I think the rest of this year, we're still going to be finding out where, where we fit, where, where we fit within the new norm. I hate that new normal. Oh, I hate, I hate that phrase. The, the, whatever reality looks like next, mm -hmm. I think it's going to take the rest of this year at least to start to get our feet under us to say, okay, I think I know where we're at, where we go from there. If we're a survivor, it's our opportunity to, to, to thrive. Um, it's our opportunity to grow. And to your point, we've never seen anything on this scale in our lifetime. That also means that the opportunities I think are going to be greater than anything we've seen in our lifetime. And just think about that. That's crazy because my lifetime I've seen, I started taking typing lessons on a manual typewriter that will age me. Mm -hmm. Right. So in my lifetime, I saw the internet come into reality and that changed the way we do everything from communicate to govern to our commerce. That was a massive change, right? that our consumption changed. I think the opportunities coming out of this are going to be greater than that. I think that they're going to be opportunities for businesses, for people to reinvent themselves. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity um, to create something amazing out of it, both as, as a business and as, and as individuals. But in order to get there, there has to be two things. Number one, we have to survive. So I think we need to be making smart, um, conscious, non-panic decisions right now to say, how can we best survive this? And then number two, we got to get strong. We can't sit back and say, okay, this sucked. We got hit in the face. It hurts. We're bleeding. I'm going to go like sit in the corner and like rest this one off. We can't like, we have to fight. We have to get strong and we have to come out of this like tougher than ever and prepared to take advantage of the new landscape. My fries are still good, even though they're getting cold. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you, you have this habit of um, picking off my follow-up questions before <laughs> and uh, before I can even ask them. So that's why I'm kind of like thinking at the moment, okay, where do I go from here now that you've actually already picked off of several of my follow-up questions? Yeah, well, so let me, let me just kind of bring it back to the, the startup. You kicked this off kind of mentioning the Forbes article because um, I think one of the important parts of the conversation um, in that article was around doubling down on data. And that was, I think, the, the title of the article. Um, what we are advising our clients on, and if you're listening, you're going to get some insanely valuable advice right now for, for the cost of just having to see me eat uh, a sandwich and fries during this episode. We usually charge a lot of money for this advice. Um, what we're advising our clients right now is to double down. Like this isn't an opportunity to play it safe. This isn't an opportunity to stand down. You know, so many companies are like, you know what? We're just gonna like pull up our shirt. We're gonna hide like this, and we're gonna just try to survive the storm. And then when the sky clears and it's blue, then we're gonna go to work. They're gonna be behind, years behind. They're gonna be so far behind. I don't know if they'll ever catch up. 
what we're advising our, our clients and the ones that are taking that advice, they're going to, they're going to prosper and they're going to come out in this new environment so far ahead. And that is, we have to double down on this investment now. Uh, it is such an amazing opportunity to leverage all of the work that we've done over the last many years, putting this ecosystem in place. Uh, I want to hit my head against a brick wall that doesn't have the nice smooth brick, but the brick that's all edgy and craggy and you like cut your face all up on. I want to smash my face into that every time I hear a company say, our environment's changed, so we can't do testing. The customer that we're seeing today is not average, so we're not going to analyze our data. I'm like, you are idiots. What the hell are you talking about? Now more than ever, we need to be understanding what does our customer look like because they're going to be changed forever. Your old customer isn't coming back. The customer is new, mm -hmm. right? Maybe the same person, but their mentality, how they want to engage with your brand, how they want to shop with you, how they want to exchange money for goods and services. That's all changed and that's not going back. So if you're yeah. not using this opportunity to learn what they are, you're done. Well, not just to mention that, but people who may be engaging with you in a brand new way, too. Like, so you were talking about like the existing customer. I'm thinking, you know, when I, I, I get a vision of someone, and again, right now, digital is pretty much the only way you can interact with somebody, or like there's some form of like, you know, curbside pickup, but your in person interactions are, are extremely limited right now. So the, the, when you were talking, I got the vision of the person that, you know, shopped online with you previously, if you're an e-commerce retailer. Um, but now they're, they're either looking for something new, something different, or like you said, engaging in, in a different way. But I'm also thinking like you're getting those people that say we're primarily like in-person customers, that their only interaction with you now is, is digitally. So they're just learning how to engage with you digitally. That's and right. you need to learn how to to engage with them. It's 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 such an important point, Jim. It, and it's it's one that small businesses and big businesses alike aren't really thinking about. Some of them are. The smart ones are. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 the ones that aren't smart, I think, are big businesses. The small businesses, I think, are just overwhelmed trying to keep the doors open. Um, but I had a, I had a discussion with a friend of mine, um, down in Orange County a few weeks ago, and we were talking about that point that you were made exactly. Um, we were talking about small businesses, specifically mom and pop shops, individual location restaurants. And the conversation was about the buyer has changed. They may have never, to your point, interacted with you in a digital manner. And now just to get curbside pickup, I have to figure out how to, you know, first I have to figure out how to like, I call you, do you have an app? What do I do? And, and we're seeing companies not even think about that. Like the stress and anxiety, you know, our, our history with companies is reducing anxiety through purchase funnels. You know, that's our, that's the, the entire kind of focus of our optimization program is how do we reduce anxiety in the purchase funnel? Um, because many times there's anxiety, you're going to lose purchases. There's more anxiety than ever. Now people want to know what is expected. Like how do I order from Jim's family pizzeria? Right. Do, do, do I call? Then what do I do? Do I show up and walk inside? If I walk inside, do I need a mask on? Do I just mm -hmm. show up at the curb and you come out? You have to, you have to engage with me and tell me what that process is. You have to make me feel comfortable that I understand the process. 
then I'm going to buy from you. So mm -hmm. yes, now is the time to understand that. We have all this data. We understand the consumer behavior. Let's use it. Where mm -hmm. are we failing? Where's the new anxiety being injected? Where can we be a little bit more hands-on and help them understand the process? That's why we collected this data in the first place. And now we're saying we shouldn't be using it because the customer's changed. That's nonsense. Yeah. So like one small example I thought of is that that, that small roaster um, that I sent you the coffee from, Ocean City Coffee Company. I'll, I'll give them a plug. I, I love their coffee. I think the pirate uh, was my favorite. Yeah, they, they, they roast the coffee beans right there on the boardwalk. Um, you can and, taste the sea. Um, what's that? You can taste the sea. Yeah. So they've got a, you know, four different locations, which obviously all of them got shuttered. And they did have the e-commerce store. But what they did was they immediately pressed all of their customers to go online to, you know, for those, like, you know, you've got the, the locations where you can go and buy the cup of coffee or, you know, buy, buy the beans to take home, or you can go online to buy the beans. So they pushed everybody online. And the incentive was, is, you know, we get it. There's some of you that come into the store, you don't want to go online and now have to pay for shipping. So they had, they've had free shipping since, since March 15th or something like that, where completely free shipping um, to help incentivize their customers who normally come into the store to buy to, to go online without feeling like they're paying a penalty. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think these are all perfect use cases for this is why we've collected the data for the last many mm -hmm. years. Right. Uh, the things that we were using it for to smooth out the funnels, that was great. We were making incremental differences. This is making a massive shift in how we do business. And again, it it just boggles my mind that companies are saying, no, nah, it's not important to look at the data right now because this is this is not real. This is not real. Well, no shit, it's not real. This is a different, this is something we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And this is why, this is why we've done all the work. Now is the time to take advantage of that data. And I, I just I just want to grab them by the hair and be like, quit being idiots. Mm -hmm. I mean, what about those customers that are not going to be going back to engaging with you the way they did before? So we, we talked about that, like you know, the customer who has interacted with you digitally, that interaction has changed. But those customers whose interaction with you digitally has been limited to maybe even non-existent in, in the past, that may for some of them they that may permanently change. So knowing there's like no that, that's that. going to be important. Yeah, there were there's and again I'm going to use it because I hate it and it drives you crazy. It, it's going to be a new normal, right? We're not going back to what it was before, and that's okay. Like. Things change, things evolve, and that's awesome. That's what keeps things growing. Um, the companies that are using the technology right now to learn are going to be the best position to take advantage of that because there isn't going to go back to what it was before. So the more that we can learn from the behavior that we're observing right now, the more that we can learn by testing it, again, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing companies tell me, Jason, we're not testing right now because our traffic is just not normal. Jason, we're not testing right now because the behavior we're seeing is just abnormal. What? <laughs> now more than ever, we should be testing that because this is this is the this is the new normal. This is what it is. And now's our opportunity to figure this out. And let's test and test and test. We have companies right now that we're working with. 
that have like doubled our the testing effort. We've helped them double their testing because they get it, right? They're like, we're gonna do more testing right now, not less, mm -hmm. right? Because the more we test, the more we learn, the more we understand how we're going to engage with our customer when we come out of COVID. And I truly believe like these are the companies that are gonna come out just ripped, strong, smart, informed. They're gonna be creating amazing experiences. They're going to be doing massive volumes online. They're going to create a more connected online and offline experience. They're gonna show us the way. And it's just a few, you know, there's just a few smart companies out there that are doing this and taking the opportunity right now to, to be where they need to be. Well, what's that phrase? Is it yeah, steel sharpens steel? You know, conflict makes you better. You know, struggle makes you better. Like, you know, I've also heard the, you know, there's always the, the there's the phrase, you know, good times build soft people where um, hard times build uh, strong people. It's the whole concept of working out, right? Working out, yes. you're literally ripping and destroying your muscles. And then it gets rebuilt stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. um, far too many, again, we got comfortable with a long, long run of good times. And we sat on the beach and got fat and happy, you know, mm -hmm. and we're paying the price. So a lot of companies are, are paying the price for it. Now's an opportunity to get thin and fit. You know, if you were already there, awesome. You're way ahead of the rest of us, but why not? Now's the opportunity to do it. Let's invest. Let's double down. Let's make this happen. But to shutter digital, to shutter data, to stop testing, stop optimizing the experience, Ah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, although I kind of want to now since he forced me to watch this documentary called the, what is it? The something, the betting, betting on zero, um, short selling, um, one of the MLM stocks. I can't remember the name of the company. Ah, it's going to drive me crazy now. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to be able to think of it. Um, I'm not much of a short seller. I've never done it. But part of me wants to short sell these companies that are rejecting data and optimization and technology in general right now. I'm like, man, someone's going to clean up on, on your failure, <laughs> you know, because it's like, and I never want to bet for anyone to fail. I never want to root against someone. You know, I hate sports fans that root against more against their rivals than for their team. I, I'm not a, I'm not a rooting against, but but man, I think there's some some money to be made in short selling some of these companies that are just making stupid decisions right now. Mm -hmm. And you know what that that may lead that that may lead to some of the aftershocks that you're talking about when when things do start to to get better. You know, you're they're, they're going to be far behind, and they're going to be be playing catch up, which is just going to. Yeah. It, it's also the, another analogy is you know do it right the first time or buy the right thing the first time mm -hmm. like you know, I, I mean i know that you know certain people that like that, that, that buy purely based on price and i'm not saying go out and over purchase but they under purchase and then you know, they bought cheap so before you know it that thing breaks and they have to buy it again and they end up spending more money than if they yep. had just bought the right item the first time around and it's and it's so pertinent to to what we do um there, there's going to be a massive cleanup in this space because smart people are getting let go. 
smart agencies like 33.6 are, are, are not working with companies they should be working with. And it's going to cause a mess because they're going to buy cheap and they're going to find it falls apart. And they're either going to say, you know what, I need, I didn't need to wear shoes in the first place, or they're going to have to pay for someone to come in and, and clean it up. You're going to uh, like, give me, give me like 30. I'm going to date myself here. <laughs> I bought myself, um, and they're, they're a little worse for wear. They could use some uh, mom and pop mending here. I bought myself a present for high school graduation. Do you know what year I graduated high school? 94. 93. Good. Good guess. I, I, myself, I graduated in 98. I bought myself a pair of Doc Martin sandals. Kind nice. Of, um. I think I paid $220 for these in 1993. That was a lot of my money. I worked at a grocery store and saved that up. Um, it taught me, a, and I mean. They, they look to be in pretty good shape. It's a solid shoe. <laughs> it taught me a really good lesson um, that you can buy cheap. You can go to pay less and pay $10 for a pair of shoes. And then two months from now, go and pay $10 for another pair of shoes two months from now, go and pay $10 for another pair of shoes because they keep wearing out. Or you can invest in quality and you can have an awesome pair of shoes in 2020 that you bought in 1993, right? So <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> that I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. That has informed a lot of my purchasing decisions. It's informed a lot of the decisions we've made as a company. It's informed a lot of decisions as investments we've made you know we don't have all the answers so we've gone out and hired people to help us with our business just as we get uh contracted with companies to help them with analytics and understanding data and helping with their their customer experiences that's what we're good at we're not really great at other things so we've gone out and we've hired people to help you know do things from legal to our payroll to all of that because they know better and we could have gone on the cheap and it's not to your point say just splurge and overspend mm -hmm. but we bought the best that we could buy you know with the money we had and and that has served us really really well um it's paining me right now to see companies say you know what we can get by buying buying discount buying cheap it's gonna cost them man their shoes are gonna mm -hmm. fall apart right the companies that are thinking long-term, thinking sustainable, they buy high quality because they know it lasts. So, yeah, I love these shoes. <laughs> and I think that's a great place to, 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 to wrap it up. Awesome. Um, cool. So this was, this was a really fun conversation. Um, great. great to have you on video this week. And like I said, at the beginning, you know, we're going to get better at this. Yeah. Um, I, in a year from now, looking back at our first couple of video ones, I think they're definitely going to be a little weird, but we'll uh, we'll get into our flow. I'll try not to eat next time, and I'll try not to play with my hair as much next time. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's, it, it's real. It's real. We got to keep it authentic, right? Yep. Exactly. Awesome. Cool. So we'll go ahead and wrap up for now and talk to everybody later. See you.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.